listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 250, Mark. Paige? Yep. What's going on with you? Oh, my dog got skunked, so that's been fun. That's um, not the first time your dog's been skunked. It's actually happened seven times. <laughs> so let's hope seven is the last one. Well, I really hope it was. This one was an adult, and he actually ran. So I really the hope skunk or the dog. The dog, the dog definitely ran. He doesn't normally back off. He's a fierce little wiener. <laughs> <laughs> but this one really got him. I thought I was going to have to take him to the vet because I was worried about his eyes. But yeah, my house reeks. Yeah, well, hopefully he learns his lesson. Yep. Speaking of learning, you know what your a place you're not going to do a whole bunch of learning at? Our Oil and Gatsby Charity <laughs> Christmas Ball. It's Friday, December 3rd, right around the corner, people. It is going to be a blast. We had a final call today with the team. I mean, it is incredible. Hand-rolled cigars from a guy from Nicaragua. Giving away some Tiffany, as in the jewelry company, Tiffany oh. Guns. Oh, well, you had me at guns. <laughs> yeah. A champagne bar, whiskey bar. We're having yeah. an FR runway show. It is in the money we go goes to the Orphan Well Project. So there's a link in the show notes. It's right around the corner. Sign up. If you go, come find me. Paige and I will be there. It is going to be- Most the, of our team will be there. Yeah. It is going to be the oil and gas event of the year. Then, guess what else is going on, Paige? What? So we actually have- the 23rd World Petroleum Congress, December 5th through 9th. It's also right around yep. the corner. Yep. It's the first time in 30 years it's been back here in Houston. We're going to be there doing live podcasts. A bunch of our crews going to be there. Once again, if you get a chance, come check it out. And if you go, hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to meet you in person. And this is First Friday Q&A. Uh, but before we get into the questions, we have a review. We do. Really enjoy the way Paige and Mark answer listeners' questions on First Friday Q&A. I'm an investor in oil and gas business, and I really get a lot of insights and reality checks from your shows. It has translated into real checks. Thanks, y'all. Especially pages toot on politics. You get a four-star review like a lot of others. I have quit social media, so consider this a very hearty like across all programs. And that's from B. O'Connor. Yeah. So B, thank you for the review. It came in through a non-typical way, which just goes to show you, if you want to leave a review and you're not on iTunes, you can just go to one of the websites and leave us a review. Eventually it gets over here. And also B, congratulations on making some money. We tell people not to do any type of investments based on what we say, but secretly, if you listen to us and made a dollar, it makes me happy. All right. I'm going to let you handle Ludwig's so Ludwig sent in a great question talking about the threatened gas supply to Europe. That's the only export they have. What is Putin doing? He can't finish the Nord Stream 2, which, by the way, I just read this morning that Germany says they are not approving the operation of that pipeline, which is another political mess. Interesting. Um, combined with the Black Sea pipeline, he talks about Ukraine and Poland are the big losers. And then he gets into the Treaty of Russia and Belarus and Kazakhstan and Ukraine. Then he finally ends this question with, but Chernobyl is near the Blair's border and a third of the country is radioactive. Let's take the point that someone loves to make a dirty bomb. All they need is a bucket to, group, to scoop up dirt, I'm guessing, in Chernobyl. And now they literally have radioactive material to make a dirty bomb. So in the grand scheme of all this, what Luther's actual question is, is what do we think could go on in that area of the country, of the world. And that part of the world is under a lot of strife right now. And a lot of Americans and European don't know about the troop buildup on the 
border between Poland and Belarus. And I just read this morning that they had 15 troops actually got killed. Now imagine three to 8,000 troops, Paige, lined up okay, on opposite sides of the border. And the border is a six-foot chain-link fence. And you're only 20 feet apart. And tensions are high. All it's going to take is somebody to call wrong, somebody to rack a slide, somebody to have a car backfire, and hostilities are going to break out. And it's going to be horrendous. And Russia is just going to be all over this. So, Lufvik, to your point, number one, this is not good for the world. It's not good for a lot of the people, especially the refugees who fled there trying to get into the U.K. before winter hit them. And now winter's hitting them and they're freezing. They oh, can't man. The yeah, it's, it's a mess. And like I said— a lot of American European news agencies are not reporting on this at all. And so this is a tragedy waiting to happen. We'll keep an eye on this. I personally have an interest in this. So Ludwig, thanks for sending a question. A little bit of advice, Ludwig. When you send us a question, if you can make it four sentences or less, and, and I am teasing you a little bit, but I get that you wanted to give me all the details. But if you can make it four sentences or less, it makes it easier for us to get to the other Instead questions. Instead of six paragraphs. But honestly, Ludwig, love that you follow the show. appreciate you very much. Love you, man. All right. So the next one is from Chester Hamilton, VP of Operations at Sempra. Great work, guys. Love the show and never miss an episode. Paige, what the hell is going on in California's Monterey County? Did the oil and gas industry actually win a court case banning fracking? How did that happen? How do we repeat this? Mark, I'm a Glock guy, too. You, me, Chester. Glock guys. So, yes, we did when California Pilot Court overturned fracking ban in Monterey. So this was against Chevron and a couple of other oil companies. But we definitely won. This goes back to Measure Z. And Do they have Measure A all the way to Z? I don't know. I didn't really look in further into it. But California 6th District Court of Appeals invalidates two parts of Monterey County's Measure Z. These two parts include the phase out of wastewater injection and banning new oil. So they just basically said, no, get out of here with that crap. And see, that's one of the things a lot of people don't understand. The groups and the people out there that don't like our industry in the beginning were not super sophisticated. And they try to ban drilling and production. And that didn't go over so well. But when they start banning the disposal of fracked water, of produced water, if they start opposing pipelines, that shuts down exploration just as quickly. But yet the public isn't aware of that connection. So I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Thank you, California, for <laughs> overthrowing the ban on fracking by understanding what they were trying to do with this wastewater disposal ban. This is really cool. I'd love to see more of this stuff happen. Yeah, yeah. And how did it happen? How do we re repeat this? Better better lawyers, just like Chevron had and the other oil companies. It's as simple as that. There's nothing really else we can do. And vote? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's always. Office. Right, yeah. exactly. And don't vote measures like Measure Z. Right. You know, it was like 56% voted for We have it. another question about voting that will kind of cover some of this. But that is really cool that we actually, of all states, we have a little bit of a victory in California. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. All right. Speaking of voting, the next one comes from Ashley. I love how you reiterated the importance of voting in a way that supports the industry and by proxy a sustainable life. What is the way to ensure that not only our industry understanding the viewpoints of the potential legislators and impact of legislation, but also sharing actionable information with the broader public? Would OGGN be willing to do a breakdown of different legislation and legislators up for vote in the next election cycle? Well, that would be really difficult considering all every single one of us is under a different jurisdiction. So not only that, I don't think think it would be ethical that OGGN as a whole endorse candidates. I personally don't feel comfortable telling other people how to vote. Yeah, so I don't either, although I do make fun of the people I don't agree with. So I guess that's sort of 
intuitive, but it's really interesting. So what Ashley asked us is, would we be willing to do a breakdown of different legislations and legislators right. for vote in the next election cycle? So I don't think she's asking our opinion. So 100% agree with you. OGG is not going to endorse candidates. Right. Actually, if OGG ever endorses a candidate, it has gotten so bad that we're desperate. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and and that, right. that's not going to happen. But would we be interested in maybe giving scorecards and stuff? Maybe. I think actually there's probably better groups out there that this is their core competency. Like like API. Like API. You know, there, there's this whole bunch of IPAAs, a whole bunch of political organizations out there that are always doing this. I will give you a little bit of advice, though. Just because the organization and you agree on things like energy policies doesn't mean that you agree on everything. Absolutely. And that's a hard thing to do. So one of the things that Paige and I do when we vote is we literally print, I say we, Paige does it, but literally prints out who's running and then we do the research on what they stand for. It's like we split it up since we live next to each other. It's just easier to do that. Yeah, And then we take a pen and we go through, we do the research and we mark on the paper who are we voting for. So when we show up at the ballot, even though we may not know the candidates or all the candidates, what they stand for, we know whether we agree with them or not. And we know that we're making an educated choice when we go to vote. Yeah, yeah. And if I don't know who you are, I will skip, I will skip, you won't get my vote. Yeah. So, so there's another way. If you, know, if you do a little bit of work up front, what I don't like seeing people do, and unfortunately I see this a lot, number one is vote straight down party lines. Uh, don't do that. That's not what this country was founded on. But number two, they just randomly pull levers. So if it's a big election, like let's say president, they know exactly who they want for their candidate and they know that votes. And the rest of them, they just kind of flip flop around. So. All it takes is 20 minutes worth of work before you go to the poll to do the research. It takes a little bit more than that, especially when it comes to the judges and stuff. Which yeah, it does take longer. It. But other than the judges, I would definitely spend a lot of time on the rest of it. But I tell you what, Ashley, if you actually run across an organization that publishes their scorecards for politicians that you like, send it our way. Yeah, no, that'd be great. It may be something we're happy to promote, right? I just don't think that OGGN is the right place to be doing that yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. This next person, I'm going to butcher your name. I'm sorry in advance. Saeem Mohammed. Hi there. I'm a graduate mechanical engineer with a keen interest in oil and gas. Recently discovered your podcast and it's the only reason I have Spotify premium. (laughs) Great job. Clear, concise content leaves me waiting for the next episode every week. Would like to know what your take is on the market in the Middle East. Love from Dubai. <laughs> awesome. We were supposed to be there and, and we're not. We're actually supposed to be there right now. Are we really? Well, well, well we got we invited to Atapec and Oh, and, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't okay. make it, blah, blah, blah. Middle East. The Middle East internal strife will continue. A lot of people don't understand the tribe culture that dominates the Middle East. That strife will make all prices fluctuate up and down. Saudi Arabia is continuing to try to grow the the dominance of OPEC plus. When I say OPEC plus, it's OPEC plus Russia, right? And so you may see some interesting things happen. So, you know, a lot of times OPEC produces, OPEC punishes the overproducer. So if they agree upon a number and a country produces more than that because that country wants to make more money than everybody else, OPEC punishes them. I think what you can see in the future is the opposite. I think you can see OPEC punish the underperformers. So they could companies like Nigeria and Iraq who can't meet their quotas. Now, they can't meet their quotas because their company's infrastructure has been destroyed by terrorist and warfare. But I think what's going to happen as we move forward is that OPEC is going to realize that in order to maintain its cartel control, that it's going to have to help the underperformers, even if they don't like each other. And so I think you can see some more joint ventures on infrastructure. I actually think you can see a lot of the major hostilities kind of quiet down for another 
10 or 15 years, we're entering into what I believe is another 20-year bull cycle for the oil and gas industry, and OPEC is just going to benefit from that. And when I say OPEC, you also have to remember that economically, basically, Saudi Arabia is OPEC. So Saudi Arabia has taken the biggest hit from the last few years drop in oil prices and demand, which means they're going to make the biggest amount of money when things are coming back, which they're doing right now. And so I, I expect that Saudi Arabia is going to have a record year. I actually suspect they're going to have a record decade. Politically, you know, you got the price war going on between Saudi and Russia, and they've kind of called a truce on that. Let's see where that goes. Russia is not super worried about OPEC. Russia's worried about China. China is super worried about OPEC, right? Yeah. And so it's just going to be an interesting place. But he was a student, right, Paige? Yeah. Mechanical engineer with a keen interest in Yeah. So from graduating with a degree in mechanical engineering is perfect. Regardless, if you want to stay in the Middle East, you want to work in the Middle East, work in other places in the world, there's going to be a huge demand for mechanical engineers. And I guess to finally answer your question, I think geopolitically, it's going to be more of the same in the Middle East for the very near future. But I expect their income and their margins to rise, which then could drive more of those capital civil type projects. So you know, I would not be surprised. We talked about the last episode about Saudi Arabia is looking at taking a production platform and turn it to amusement park. I'd not be surprised to see way more of that stuff in the future because they, they have the money to do this sort of thing. Right. All right. The next one's from Jack Green, controls engineer at Acker. I'm an electrician by trade, but should I complete a degree in electrical engineering or mechanical to continue in the industry? Acker only has the Jans in the future as we are finishing the beach contract mid 2022 by the way i love you guys we love you too jack we love you too jack damn that's a hard one so jack so let's look at this two different ways let's look at it like what is jack like and let's look at it was what brings jack stability right so first thing no matter what you do your financial future is secured by your ability to get another job in this day and time no matter what happens and i know you've seen this at some point you're in a cell on excel spreadsheet right so if you look at it from a safety point of view, if you got a degree in mechanical engineer with an electrician background experience, there's no place you can't go work. I mean, there's no industry that, that doesn't have a need for that. But if you like being an electrician, if you like the volts, watts, amps type of thing, man, get a degree in electrical engineering, specialize in something like robotics, right? That way you always have something to fall back. Everybody needs an electrician, everybody, right? Whether it's residential, commercial, whatever. Absolutely. Then when you get into robotics, how cool would it be to be doing robotic stuff in the oil and gas industry? So get a degree in electrical engineering and specialize in something like robotics if you want to have a lot of fun. If you worry about financial security, look at mechanical engineering. Just, But my advice to you is pick the one that your heart says this is the right one for me. Right. All right. The next one's from David, which is a CFO. Firstly, I've been listening to the show for about three years, and I can't say enough about how great a job you all do. An excellent insight into all areas of the industries and beyond. Thanks. This is more of a request than a question. Mark, when you do your 2022 predictions in a few weeks, can you also circle back and review your 2021 predictions? I don't remember them all, and I think it would be neat to hear what you thought back then and comment on how things turned out. Thanks, David. See, I agree with this. So not only do I agree with this, David, as a CFO, you're one hell of a marketer. How do we not think of this? This is an incredible, awesome, fun idea. We should have been doing this for years. So number one, yes, I will do it. Number two, David, every time I do this each year, I'm going to give you a shout out on it because this is your idea. <laughs> what a great idea. I mean, even myself, I don't quite remember everything I did last year. And it'll be kind of fun to see what I got right. It'll be even more fun to see what I got wrong. Yeah. 
You should definitely, yeah, I'm looking forward to so that. So, David, yes, cool. I will do yeah. that. You will get full credit. And it's right around the corner, so stay tuned. Awesome. All right, next one's from Cheryl Jamison, project manager at Weatherford. Love the show, guys, and also the journey to the Energy C-Suite podcast. I hear you talk a lot about talent shortage in our industry, but lately I have seen massive amounts of people leave the industry for good, both on the operator side and OFS. Any thoughts on what has recently caused this exodus? I think it's just perfect timing. So you have everybody coming out of the pandemic that was able to work from home remotely. And if you don't know the culture of the oil and gas industry for a long time, that was a huge no-no. Nobody worked remotely, right? So all of a sudden you're having companies saying you need to come back in the office and people are realizing there's other jobs out there. And so I think coming out this pandemic, people are doing a little bit of soul searching and going, do I really want to have an hour and a half a day of commute? Do I really want to sit in a cube for eight hours? I mean, that limits my time with my family, limits my time where I can do more impactful things. I like working from home. I'm more productive that way. I think it's that combination. So coming out the pandemic combination in combination with all this negative publicity where literally people think that our industry is destroying the planet, including the people that work for companies like Exxon and Chevron. I mean, literally every day I see people taking a picture at the floating cube at Exxon because they're leaving, right? Exxon's never had an attrition problem. They have an enormous attrition problem right now. They don't know what to do with it. The industry as a whole doesn't know what to do with it. So I think it's that perfect storm of negative public perception coming out of the pandemic and also the availability of jobs. I'm not on the job market at all. I mean, by far, I'm not on the job market. And Paige, in the last three or four months, I've been offered some very high-end jobs, right? So that's not the norm for that sort of stuff. So I think it's just like this perfect storm. What's the solution? There is no solution. We're going to have to deal with losing talent. We're going to have to deal with trying to retain the very vital people we have working for us. You've heard me say this for years. Our ability to recruit new people in the industry is based upon our ability to deal with this negative public perception. And I think this year coming up, 2022, will be one of the times in history where we have a chance as an industry to fight that negative public perception. I shouldn't say fight. I think we have a chance to rectify a lot of it. I think going to 2022, there's going to be a global energy shortage. People, not just in underdeveloped countries, people here in the U.S. and in Europe are going to have to make a choice whether they heat their home or they have enough fuel to go to work. And I think in that scenario, I think people will be more open-minded to the benefits of hydrocarbons. And so as an industry, I think next year, 2022, is critical to us as far as talent. We need to change the narrative, and I think we can next year if we come together and do it the right way. Do I think as an industry we're going to come together and do it the right way next year? I hope and pray that we do. Do I think it's going to happen? Yeah. So we're trying to do our part here. We're out here telling the real and true stories. We're out talking to young people. We have volunteers that go out to elementary schools and and read pro oil and gas books, which, by the way, that group inside of OGGN needs some help. If you want to really support our industry, reach out to me. Give me a couple hours a month of your time. Give me 100 bucks. It goes directly to that group to help support our industry and help educate our world's young people. But Cheryl, it's going to get worse way before it gets better, unfortunately. All right. So the next one's from Mike Fontenot, project accountant at Hillcorp. Okay, you two Louisiana (laughs) residents. Okay. Louisiana residency test. Mark, how do you know when your roux is ready? When it's as dark as possible without smelling burnt and when the spoon stands up in it, the wooden spoon. The wooden spoon, that is correct. And then for me, drive-through, daiquiri shops, real or an urban myth? Definitely real. Definitely real. And now for my real question, what is the deal with CCS? Is it a real solution or just another attempt at greenwashing? And I never miss a show. You two are awesome. 
Thanks, Mike. I knew with font news last well, yeah. thing somehow. Right, exactly. CCS, carbon capture and storage. You're seeing a lot of this in the news. You've heard us talk about Exxon doing it. You got a bunch of other companies doing it all over the world. I just had a call today with a company actually is doing this same thing. Is it real? It's 100% real. Does it pull carbon dioxide out of the air? Yes. Is that cost effective? No. Where CCS really shines is when you have a high density of carbon dioxide. So think of a smokestack. So CCS is great if it's pulling carbon dioxide out of a smokestack because yeah. so, the carbon dioxide is so concentrated as opposed to pulling out the air where you have to move billions and billions of cubic tons of air through the machinery to get just a few ounces of carbon dioxide. But does it work? It absolutely works. Is it greenwashing? Maybe. I think some companies are using it as a way to talk about net zero, which a lot of people don't understand what that is. And if you don't understand, just Google it real quick. It's an easy concept to get your head around. But I also know for a fact there's oil and gas companies doing this for economic reasons, that they're basically going to use that carbon dioxide that they pull out for enhanced oil recovery. I think we've talked about this before, yeah. where for years, companies had to buy that CO2, and now, <laughs> now our tax dollars would give it to them for free. Right. I mean, cha-ching all the way to the bank, to the companies that are doing that. But yeah, it's it's a real it's a real technology. It's a real solution. It doesn't always make economic sense. Like everything that involves technology, as we go through time, it's going to get better and cheaper as we go forward. Right. But Mike, the Rue thing, come on, bro. You want to roo up with me? I'll make a mean gumbo. <laughs> and I've been going through those drive through daiquiri shops since <laughs> I was 16. So, <laughs> All right. So the next question is from Jennifer McMurray, Director of Marketing at SAP. What do you think about influencer marketing in the oil, gas, energy space? Paige, I just love your voice. Is that a result of a special podcaster training? No. My voice has nothing to do with any training I've received as a podcaster. And most of my training came from myself and researching. And and that's why I'm the training director. I was about to say, she's the training director. <laughs> but no, this is just my voice. Uh, the only training I've ever had was when I was in choir. So that's that's all I got. So maybe that helps me enunciate better sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> Good question about the influencer marketing. So influencer marketing, if you don't know, is basically somebody that has a large audience of some sort, and that audience has trust and faith in what they say. The one that pops my head off the top, of course, is the Kardashians. Think about you know, the moment that one of the Kardashians pitches a new line of lipstick or whatever, millions of people go out and buy it because they trust the Kardashians on their, their makeup, right? They're an influencer. Are there influencers in oil, gas, and energy space? Absolutely. That name has been thrown at us a couple times. There's other people out there. We rub elbows with a lot of the people that are there. And if I'm just kind of jumping ahead of you, Jennifer, if you're a director of marketing and you're asking about influencer marketing in oil and gas space, I got a feeling you're trying to figure out if it's worth your spend to spend money on influencer marketing. The answer to that is it's going to depend. So SAP is a tech shop. They do everything from middleware to network attached storage to cybersecurity. So depending on what one of your products that you may be trying to influence or influence market oil and gas industry, it's going to depend on the product market fit. So let me give you a perfect example. Let's say that you're trying to bring in a cybersecurity solution. There are so There's a handful of people in the oil and gas industry that are known as being the cybersecurity experts in this industry. And if you can get them to talk about your product and the benefits, it will absolutely sell product, right? But let's say you want to come back in and talk about network-attached storage, NAS. Nobody cares. There's not any NAS. That, that's one of those things that's in the background that's important that runs the IT infrastructure, but nobody gets psyched up about it. There's not like NAS parties. And it, 
by the way, all your IT geeks don't no hate mail. I know there really is NAS parties. Y'all geek out over that. But from an influencer point of view, there's not an influencer in the oil and gas energy space around attached a network attached storage. So it just depends on which product you're trying to push. The other thing is if you could do influencer marketing, Jennifer, don't use it to try to sell anything. Because number one, if it's a, if it's truly an influencer, they're probably going to tell you no because they know that that's not a good fit for what they do, and it loses it makes them lose some of their audience. But number two, what you really want to use is the influencers reach to help educate people. So I'm not sure if that helped you, Jennifer. If I'm completely off base here, reach out to me directly. I'd be happy to jump on the phone and talk through this with you. But do I think it's legit? Do I think that it's worth your budget? Yes. Just be very careful. Like every other marketing, start small, test, measure. And then if it works, go ahead and put put more money into it. Just that word makes me shudder, influencer. I don't like it either. Yeah. And, and I think there's a negative connotation because I think especially the Instagram influencers, yeah, yeah. yeah. the fake, like, the, you know, they don't really I have 10,000 airpl- followers. Oh, cool. Like they don't really have the plane in the car. They fake that. They don't really have the jewelry. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to find that in oil and gas as yeah. far as I know. Well, yeah. And thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. All right. So the next one's from Anonymous, which is a senior vice president at a super major. Big fan of the show since the James Hahn days. Wow. Right on. And you two are by far the best podcasters in our industry. Thank you. Please keep up the great work. Our industry needs it. I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on something that I have never had to deal with before I bring it to HR. One of my new male engineers has confided in me that his immediate supervisor, who is a woman, has been making suggestive remarks and comments to him these past six months. He never told me about it as he figured it was just in good-natured fun. Well, last week, she texted him with some semi-nudes ooh, and asked if wanted to come over and see more. Oh, my God. I asked him how he felt about this. He said very uncomfortable, but he asked me to keep this quiet as he does not want to start any trouble. Thoughts? Report it. Yep. Report it. First thing out of my mouth, this is has no bearing on which party was female, which party was male. This has the potential to be sexual harassment, which you know is a major deal. It is sexual harassment. Well, they haven't done an investigation yet. We don't. So this is hearsay at this well, point. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So we don't know. So absolutely go to HR, report it like you're supposed to. Follow company policy procedure. Let them do the investigation. Get it off of your plate onto theirs. The other thing, though, is what bothers me a little about this page is that this young engineer asked his his VP, or actually it's his SVP, so it's probably his boss's boss's boss, to keep this quiet. And man, what a hard place to be. So you want to maintain that confidence. You want to provide that trust to the people that are literally, you know, several layers down below you, but who actually are on the front lines running the company. At the same time, you have an obligation to your shareholders, your peers, and to the company to report things that are unethical. Right. So, and if if she's doing this to him, who else is she doing it to? Right. Right. So, so once you open that, once you open it up, you may end up discovering a lot more than what you already know. Yep. So off the top of my head, I totally get this being a different, a little bit awkward situation because he asked you to keep it quiet. But the best thing for him, I truly believe, and the best thing for you and for the company and the shareholders, and everybody especially else, for the company. Is go ahead, report it. If you work for a super major, y'all have a lot of policy and procedure and a lot of experience, unfortunately, dealing with sort of stuff. Let that machine come in and do this instead of you carrying this on your back. I know it has to bug the crap out of you. It would bug the crap out of me to be in this situation. Well, it just should be tolerated. Uh, well, the, the sexual harassment shouldn't be tolerated right, 100%. I mean. That's not even a discussion. It's the don't tell anybody part that I get how well, you're torn. I, I've been in that situation. You feel this bit of shame 
you think it's your fault. So you've been in the sexual harassment situation. Yes. Have you been in a situation where somebody asks you not to tell anything and you know it's better for the company to tell? No. I have been. It's a hard place to be. Yeah. Bottom line, report to HR as quickly as possible. Let them run with it. I do get him asking you to keep it quiet, but dude, it's no, this is, this is way bigger than that. All right. Good luck with that. Last question. It's from Joey Desmond, student at A&M. This is such a great podcast. So glad that one of my professors recommended that I listen. What are some things I should be doing now to prepare to enter the job market when I graduate in two years? Man, you've got plenty of time. Joey, thank you for this question. We get a lot of these questions that are similar. Almost maybe over the holidays, go back and look at all these answers. And maybe I'll compile them and publish it on the web somewhere. Oh, so that'd we be a great idea. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we get a lot of similar stuff. First thing off my head, Joey, you got two years, which is great. First thing is I need you to start joining industry associations that make sense to you. So you're at a and I know for a fact there's an SPE chapter there. Yep. I know for a fact there's an IADC chapter there. Please, older people, and I'm 56 years old, so it's okay for me to say older people. Please, <laughs> older people, don't get offended at this. Joey, stay away from the older people, right? Go join these organizations at your school. Go find your peers, other students that are part of SBE, you know, the SBE student chapter, the IADC student chapter. That's the next generation of leaders in this industry. Go join these groups. Start volunteering. Get plugged in. By volunteering, getting plugged in with these industry organizations, you're naturally going to meet more senior people. And when the recruiting comes, and it will come at AM, I promise you. Oh, that, yeah, definitely. Um, you're going to be ahead of everybody else. The other thing is, we need to get you some type of experience. He didn't say what, we don't know what his undergraduate is. No. Whatever your undergraduate is, see if you can get an internship that touches that so you can get some real world experience. One of the biggest differentiators. And I've heard this from leaders from all over the industry is when they're looking at college grads, it used to be they looked at GPAs, looked at grades. Now they're looking for somebody with similar work experience. That's more important than your grades. Now I get for certain types of engineers and doctors, grades are super important, but I've heard this too many times in the last you know, three years that they're looking for people with work experience. So let's say you're a mechanical engineer student, which by the way, I have no idea what Joey's background is. Go volunteer for like some place that does repairs on like infrastructure, right? The, the guys who do civic work where that that's a natural tie into mechanical engineering. Let's say that you're a big data guy, reach out to some of the tech companies and see if they have an internship, you know, for the summer, even though it's not an oil and gas company, you're getting work experience. So if you can start networking now with two years before you hit the job market and you start getting some work experience, even if that's internships, that's going to put you way ahead of everybody else, which by the way, Joey, don't take a free internship. It should be a paid internship. Absolutely. If it's a free internship. It's called slavery. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I know there's some companies out there that maybe can't afford to pay their interns, but really, if you have an intern to work for, you need to pay them. Even if it's just minimum wage, you need to give them something for their time. Yeah. So hopefully, Joey, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. And get good grades, please. <laughs> That's the mom coming out. Sorry. Paige, I have a slight difference of opinion on yeah. that, which yeah. is okay. Yeah. What we don't have a difference of opinion on is free day passes at the Canon. Yeah. If you want to go to the Canon, you want to go work for a day, you want to go check it out. It's where we do all our happy hours, which actually we have one tomorrow. By the time you hear this, it'll be passed. So be check out our one for December. But walk up the front desk of the Canon, say you you listen to OGGN, they'll give you a free day pass. They won't try to sell you anything. You can roam around, great co-working space, good people, just a great thing to do. Yeah. Then Speaking of great things to do, time is running out, people. If you want this incredible collectible IBM shirt that is going to be more collectible because it's going to be end of run, end of life, register. The link's in the show notes like it's always been for years. At December, at the very end of this year, December 31st, well, our last shirt will go out and there will be no more of these made. We're going to have a new giveaway. Not quite sure what that is yet. It's going to be something cool. 
But if you want one of these shirts, register today and win. And if you don't win, you register every week. Just literally every week, register until the end of the year. Yup. All right. Weekly recount. U.S. is at 556. We're up six. Canada is up eight at 168. And we're up internationally by 13 at 800 even. Keep turning to the right Yep. Folks. Here we go. Now, this is usually where I say go to LinkedIn and sign up for anything that says OGGN. I'm not going to do that this time. What I'll do is say go to LinkedIn, go to our company page. And you know what's cool page on our company page? Oh, that that sounded stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what's cool is you're starting to see short videos of all our hosts. I saw one with Sean with our ESG podcast. Oh, that's right. Like, so every week you'll see a bit of a background of each one of our hosts. What we're trying to do is help you get to know us because we want to get to know you. Right. And by putting out this short piece of content, you get to kind of see behind the scenes, which is cool. So go sign up for the company page. Check out the little short previews, all our hosts. We're going to have the same thing happen with our sponsors, I think, in a couple of months. We get to kind of see behind the scenes with our sponsors and how we work together. Just a bunch of fun. Speaking of a bunch of fun, while you're out there, if you like this first Friday Q&A, go to the website. Either go to OGGN.com or OilAndGasThisWeek.com. There's a place for you to ask a question. Enter your question. If we read it on the air, you get a big shout out. Woo. Just remember, if you're anonymous, don't put your email address, <laughs> just put anonymous out there just to keep us from making a simple mistake. And like we said, you know, we take anonymous questions just as much as we take regular questions. And then if you're interested in all the oil and gas events that are starting to pick up, we have a monthly oil and gas events newsletter. We send, put all the oil and gas events in your inbox once a month, costs you absolutely zero. Once again, the links in the show notes for you to sign up. Then if you want myself or any of our experts to come to your event, to speak, to bring a live podcast, to moderate panels, we just came back from Rockwell Rockwell Automation, where Michael Sullivan and I moderate panels. I had a great time. Let me know. I'll be happy to share details with you. And then we talked about First Friday Q&A. So I really think, Paige, it's about time to get out of here. It is. You ready? Let's go. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.